Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. We are back here today. It is the end of the regular season for Purdue after they narrowly edged Indiana in a dramatic chapter in the rivalry to close off the regular season. Now, the postseason is here. Purdue will head to Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament for them starting on Friday evening. We have plenty to talk about here today. Have some awesome questions in the Q&A from you guys. Thank you so much for those. We have some postseason high school basketball for Purdue commits to discuss as well. Let's jump on in. But hey, first, as always, if you don't already, give the show a follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Uh, we are coming into the two three best weeks of the basketball season right now. Uh, we're going to be talking hoops there all the time. So you'll want to hop on over there, join the conversation, come hang out. We've got a fun group that engages with the with the show's account on Twitter. So join in on that. And if you don't already as well, subscribe to Boilers and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts. Next week's show is going to be a big one. Uh, we'll be previewing... Purdue's NCAA tournament, uh, see how their draw looks like, see what the chances of a far run are, and then uh, either the next show after that will be moving on or the end of the season. So um, crazy how fast this year has gone, but um, I appreciate all of you guys who have been here throughout. And if you don't, if you have some friends out there who are looking for a little bit more Purdue content that maybe don't follow us closely all season, hey, send them this way. Uh, we we want to help get everyone ready for the NCAA tournament because it is genuinely a passion of mine. It is genuinely the greatest event. And the first two days are the greatest two days of the year. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day have nothing on Thursday and Friday of the first round of the NCAA tournament. So last week, interesting week for Purdue. Um, that Wisconsin-Purdue game on Tuesday feels like it was forever ago at this point. Uh, I guess this is the way how the way things go sometimes when you record a one, you know weekly podcast rather than after every game. Um, wild game. Uh, I mean, bonkers throughout. Um, Purdue gets down big. They get down eleven. Uh, they come all the way back to tie the game, and then. At the end of the day, Purdue missed too many shots around the basket. They missed some free throws. They're still in good position. Johnny Davis banks in a shot. Jaden Ivey drills a three to tie it. And Chucky Hepburn banks in a three to win it. Um, it, it hurt because Purdue, for the most part, played pretty well in that game. Uh, they limited Johnny Davis pretty well. But, you know, that also exposes Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn uh, to beat you. you know, you'll take it. You'd rather them beat you than Johnny Davis. Uh, a little bit of a demoralizing loss there uh, that knocked Purdue out of the Big Ten championship picture. Then they came home for senior night. Uh, they get off to a great start against Indiana, but as we've seen so many times this year, uh, Purdue takes the foot off the accelerator a little bit. Uh, they turn the ball over, leads to some issues. Uh, Indiana made it a heck of a game. 
Xavier Johnson was excellent for the Hoosiers, 18 points, 12 assists. Um, He about single-handedly won them that game, in my opinion. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He's a guy who's had an up-and-down year for them. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys are like me, and you you know you follow along with Indiana well. So he's had an up-and-down year, but he was fantastic in that game. Uh, but the senior class came through big for Purdue, won Purdue that game, and that was a very nice way for them to end their Mackey Arena careers. You know, we're done with the regular season now. We are 31 games in the books. It feels like it was just a month ago, you know, that we were sitting here with Bobby Buckets Riddell going through uh, the season preview episode, looking at predictions, expectations, you know, what could be from a season that began with a lot of promise and for the most part delivered. Uh, Produced 25 and 6. That's not half bad. I do maintain, though. It, it is absolutely a disappointment that this team didn't win at least a share of the Big Ten regular season title. Um, I I know a Big Ten championship was never going to be enough for this team. Um, everything, everything changed on that Sunday afternoon in November when Purdue went on a run in the second half and beat Villanova. Um, from that moment on, this reg- this season was never going to be about what happened in the regular season. Uh, expectations went through the roof at that point, and rightfully so. Um, Purdue, Purdue absolutely, the, those expectations were warranted. But, you know, the entire outlook on this season. You know, Purdue could have gone 18 and 2 in Big 10 play and ran through this conference and been the one seed and I mean they could be sitting here with a one seed in the NCAA tournament pretty much locked up at this point and there would be absolutely zero sense of accomplishment around this group right now. And to some degree that's fair, uh, to some degree it's not. Um and I think you know, it's just from taking a wider look at it, I think a lot of it could be unfair. But, you know, at this point, if this team goes to the Final Four, no one is going to care about a conference title. Um, but if this team were to not have things go their way in March, I think it would be nice to at least have a conference title to look at and remember this group on because this is absolutely a group worth remembering fondly. I think it's very similar to the 2017-18 team uh, with Isaac Haas, Vince Edwards, Dakota Mathias, and P.J. Thompson as seniors uh, when they didn't win the Big Ten tournament, or regular season or tournament, I guess, for that matter. Uh, And then they fall in the Sweet 16 after Isaac Haas gets hurt. You... You wish there was at least a Big Ten championship to fall back on for that year because that group absolutely deserved it. And I think this group deserved it as well. I will add, you know, Purdue didn't lose the Big Ten on a Tuesday night in Madison last week. Uh, Chucky Hepburn's crazy bank-in three-pointer didn't cost Purdue the Big Ten. Purdue lost the Big Ten 
on a December Thursday night in Piscataway. Purdue lost the Big Ten on an early January Monday in West Lafayette. And Purdue lost the Big Ten on a Saturday in East Lansing. Um, I have changed my mind there a little bit. Um, That game absolutely needed to be won. And looking back at how Michigan State has played since that game, uh, that doesn't do a whole lot to change it. Um, Those three are the ones that really hurt you. And at the end of the day, Purdue lost six games. I think most of you would have been very surprised if I told you Purdue was going to go 14-6 and six in Big Ten play, and that's what they did. Um, it was a crazy Big Ten season as a whole. You know, I'm recording this here on Monday night. We're 24 hours removed from Wisconsin losing at home to Nebraska on Brad Davison's senior night. I mean, who's no one saw that coming. You can't tell me you saw that coming. And I know Johnny Davis got hurt, and that is very, very unfortunate. That kid is incredibly talented. He has had an excellent year. I agree. I think it's Jeff Goodman on Twitter who had tweeted that if they don't have Johnny Davis, that's probably... You know, is that even an NIT team? I kind of agree with that sentiment. Um, That's how good he is. He makes the rest of that team so much better. I don't know what his injury is. I've seen some thoughts. It's an ankle sprain. Maybe someone knows better than me and can correct me. But um, if he's out or if he's limited, that team's in serious danger. That team can lose to anybody without Johnny Davis. And then later that night, Illinois has a game at home on their senior night for a group that's absolutely beloved there. Iowa gets off to, I mean, they have a 13-point lead in the first half, I think. And then they absolutely melt down at the free throw line. So Illinois gets a share of the conference title. Um, That's what, if you're Purdue, has to sting. I mean, you, you swept Illinois. That was, I thought, pretty early on in the season, you knew that was going to be your biggest competition to win a Big Ten title. I certainly didn't see Wisconsin doing this, you know, even though they did win Maui and some of that stuff. Um, I never, never envisioned Wisconsin being there, but that one hurts. Um, that one really hurts. But, you know, that was just the... That was just scratching the surface this year in the Big Ten. Rutgers beats four straight-ranked teams on their little run they went on. Maryland beating Illinois. That was not a good Maryland team. Heck, Maryland getting off to a poor start and firing Mark Turgeon. Uh, No one saw that coming, really, at least at the start of the season. You could have told me Turgeon would get fired at the end, but not in early December. I mean, that was the day of the Purdue-Iowa game in Mackey Arena that they fired Turgeon. Ohio State lost back-to-back games at home to Maryland and Nebraska. Um, that That's nuts. Purdue lost on some crazy stuff all year. Um, the Johnny Davis, Chucky Hepburn situation, um, the Ron Harper Jr. shot, the Indiana game that Purdue lost was a little bit crazy. Uh, Johnny Davis has 37 on you and Mackey. Um, it was it was a 
wild year in the Big Ten. And ultimately, Purdue didn't do enough to win it. Um, but I, I think as you move on now, you go to the Big Ten tournament, I think there's reason to be a little bit concerned about the fact that usually you would like to be playing your best at this time of the year. You'd like to finish the regular season strong. Purdue didn't necessarily do that. Now, part of it's difficult because of how good Purdue looked in November playing against teams that aren't in the Big Ten. Um, You saw what Purdue did against North Carolina, who isn't a great team, uh, but they're probably better than what we would have thought they were two months ago. Um, You know, they just went in and had one of the funniest wins you'll ever see. That was awesome. Uh, Purdue looked great against Villanova for the most part. You know, they struggled a little bit in that game, but they went on the run to win it. Um, Purdue boat raced a Florida State team that's not all that great. It's not like Purdue was tested a ton in non-conference, but when they were, they looked pretty good in it. Um, You'll see those teams again soon. You know, you're what you're 10 days away from your first NCAA tournament game, probably. So um, you're going to see those teams soon. But Purdue's struggles really come down to two things. And at this point, the defense still isn't great, but it's getting better. And it hasn't been Purdue's problem lately. You know, when Purdue turns the ball over, they tend to do it in waves. And when they turned it over five times in six possessions against Indiana, and in that time, a lead goes from eight to a three-point deficit, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Purdue still, I'll double-check this as we're live here to make sure. I think Purdue is still, yeah, Purdue's still number one in the country in offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Um, Gonzaga's nipping at their heels. They're a point below Purdue. Um, but this is still statistically the most efficient offense in America. You can't cost yourself points. I mean, it's just that simple. And Purdue does that a lot. And that's very, very frustrating because they are very good at getting out to leads at points in games. Um, You know, Purdue has lost more leads this year at times. That's going to happen when you have leads. You're doing something right to begin with. And then Purdue tends to get in these turnover phases where they can't get out of their own way. And that absolutely kills you. The other thing Purdue does that really is just a flaw of this team that's not going to change is they miss a lot of free throws, especially what seems to be at important times. And by that, I'm not even talking about, you know, the two free throws with six seconds left that Travion Williams missed against Indiana. I'm talking about the three one-and-ones that Purdue missed the front end of. That counts as 0 for 3 in the stat book. That might as well be 0 for 6 because you're leaving six points on the floor there. And if you can even just hit the front ends and miss the second, there's three more points, and the end of that Indiana game looks a lot different. Um, that's that's massive. And, you know, it doesn't help Purdue that you're two, ba- you're two guys that get fouled the most. I 
guess I don't know this. Jaden Ivey gets fouled a lot too, but Zach Eady and Travion Williams. Williams has never been a strong free throw shooter. Eady has really struggled at times this year. Jaden Ivey is solid, but he has times where he's not. Um, he wasn't solid at the foul line against Wisconsin, that's for sure. Um, but it's those small things, uh, you know, the the turnovers, the the f- f- critical free throws that you have to make. I mean, that's what makes a huge difference. And Purdue hasn't done those small things well, and that's really not ideal. You know, I do think it's definitely worth pointing out here how cool it is that Purdue's three scholarship seniors came up massive for them on Saturday. 17 points, five rebounds, five assists for Eric Hunter Jr. That is, without a doubt, one of his best games at Purdue. Uh, That was a fantastic performance by him. 15 points for Sasha Stefanovic. Hit some massive free throws. Had a couple of very timely three-pointers. And then... Only eight points and eight rebounds for Travion Williams. He did pull down some very big rebounds for Purdue. That helps them find a way to win. Um, It wasn't a pretty game by any means, but those three guys all played a pretty big role in helping Purdue win that. And man, what else can you ask for? Uh, Those guys went out, at least in their Mackey Arena careers, on a very strong note. You know, just... Looking at this season, wrapping it up, I still, I can't, can't get over how much things changed after that Mohegan Sun game against Villanova. I mean, that, that changed things wildly. Um, Before the season, I, I would have thought 25 and six sounded about right. I remember talking with some buddies and the two numbers that we threw out there were 25 and 6 and 26 and 5. In hindsight, I think maybe we discounted a little bit how difficult the Big Ten can be at times. I mean, five losses won it this year. That's that's a lot. But, you know, being undefeated in non-conference, I don't think I would have had Purdue there either. I didn't think Purdue was going to go 2-0 up in Mohegan Sun. They did. That put some immense pressure on this team. And I think that's something you're seeing here. Um, You know, I know Matt Painter referenced it a bit in his senior night speech where, you know, he mentioned, you know, everyone wants us to be 31 and 0. You know, this is, there's a, this is his, into a season as I've seen Purdue fans in terms of, an emotional roller coaster. Um, you know, the tone on social media, especially, hasn't been all that pleasant uh, since Purdue beat Illinois in that game in Mackey. Um, ever since then, look, Purdue's lost games. Purdue's lost, what, three games since then? They lost at Michigan and they lost the two games recently at Michigan State and at Wisconsin, but. Purdue hasn't played their best lately either. Um, that's that's absolutely true. But there's a lot of negativity about players out there. 
Uh, there's a lot of negativity about coaching out there. Uh, there's a ton of push for the 10th guy in the rotation to be the 7th guy in the rotation. Um, this is as nuts as I've seen uh, Purdue Twitter. And I've maybe younger, but I've been around it a while, especially Twitter. Um, I'm old enough that I've been on Twitter for most of it. Um, so yeah, it's it's been different. And I think that can't be easy for this group to navigate. Um, that's a lot of pressure on some kids who, I mean, they're doing their best. I can promise you that. They are not trying to lose games. They're trying to win. They want to get to a Final Four just as bad as all the fans do. Um, but I think right now, there's certainly a lot of pressure on them. And I think they feel it. I don't know how you couldn't. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle some of this moving forward. But Purdue goes in, while we're on the topic of moving forward, going into the conference tournament, likely as a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They're obviously the three seed in the Big Ten tournament. On Twitter today, I was talking with the folks at Delphi Bracketology, um, an excellent follow on Twitter if you don't follow them. The Bracketology Club, just up uh, just up Highway 25 at Delphi High School. They do an awesome job. They, see, they say Purdue probably won't change its seed based off what it does in Indy. I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it, where they kind of feel that Purdue could lose on Friday and stay a three. Purdue could cut down the nets on Sunday and probably still stay a three. I thought maybe they could get up to a two, um, and that certainly still could happen. You know, it's anyone's guess, but they're pretty good. I'll take their word for it. Um, and, hey, you know, I certainly hope they're wrong. You'd love to see Purdue get a two seed. But as others mentioned in that same thread, you know, Purdue really, what you want more than anything is that Indianapolis to Chicago route. You'd love to play your first two at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, and if you can win those two, you'd love to go to the United Center to play your biggest games of the year as close to home as possible in an area where there are a lot of Purdue people. Uh, so Purdue goes into the Big Ten tournament looking like that. And hey, I think Purdue got a pretty good setup in the Big Ten tournament, at least as good of a setup as they were probably going to get. They're either going to play Ohio State, Penn State, or Minnesota on Friday around 9 p.m., uh, Penn State, Minnesota play on Wednesday. Winner gets Ohio State on Thursday. Winner of that gets the Boilers on Friday. Ohio State has not looked great of late. believe they've lost three of their last four. Um, and all those losses were at home, if I'm remembering correctly, to Maryland, uh, Nebraska, and Michigan without Hunter Dickinson yesterday. That was surprising. Uh, Zed Key's been hurt for them. They've been starting Joey Brunk. That's been uh, interesting. Um, it's interesting, too, with Purdue. You know, all three of these teams you could potentially play, you've only played once. You got Ohio State at home. Jaden Ivey hit a heroic shot to hold on. Uh, you played Penn State and Minnesota both on the road. Uh, survived against Penn State. Handled Minnesota easily before getting snowed in up there. So... Purdue has 
Uh, a little bit of familiarity with this team, these teams, but not the full two games. Uh, they did beat all three of these teams, which statistically means you're in good shape against them. And then should Purdue get to Saturday, uh, they'd probably play Wisconsin. And I am a believer that it's really hard to beat a team three times. I know maybe that's not the most statistically true thing. I saw a tweet about that earlier where about 70% of the time uh, someone does beat the team for the third time. Only about 30% of the time does the result flip. But if Johnny Davis isn't 100%, I love Purdue's chances there. Uh, Purdue has had great opportunities to win both of those games against Wisconsin. You would love a chance to have a third and go finally beat them and kind of get that monkey off your back a little bit. Purdue benefits from being in that bottom side of the Big Ten bracket, though, no doubt. The top half, that's a gauntlet. And it was cool. Congrats to Rutgers on the double bye. Um, Geo Baker was talking about how, you know, his first year they were the 14th seed. I believe they played Purdue in that um, Big Ten tournament, if I'm remembering right. But they get the double bye. Uh, they would potentially play Iowa on Friday midday. That could be a really good game. Uh, Thursday morning, Michigan versus Indiana, massive game for the bubble. I would think Indiana has to win that game to be in position to make the NCAA tournament. I'd think they're probably in pretty good shape if they do win that game, but you never know. Um, you certainly never know there. Illinois, um, they set up nicely there, but Purdue-Illinois on Sunday would be... Um, is it'd be how you want it if you're Purdue. Uh, you would want to avoid Illinois as much as possible. You've beat them twice, as I mentioned earlier. Beating a team three times is tough. They play you physical. Um, they they beat the beat the hell out of you. And I don't know that you really want that right before the NCAA tournament. Um, so you avoid them till Sunday. It's possible they could lose as well. I mean, if they lost on Saturday, I wouldn't be stunned. Um, Purdue could really use a few wins, though. They need some positive momentum. I, I don't think they've played well, especially in their last three. Four games ago would be that Rutgers game at Mackey when I thought Purdue did play well. But the last three, not great. Now, a result goes different here or there, and you look at it a lot differently. But Purdue has an opportunity here to go win a Big Ten tournament. I normally subscribe to the opinion that you don't necessarily want to win the Big Ten tournament. Uh, it's sometimes good to suffer a loss before you get into the NCAA tournament. I still don't think you would love to win it. Um, I, I think you'd like to get to Sunday and lose maybe. Uh, at least win on Friday. You need to get some good momentum going. You absolutely have to have that. Um, if it takes a win on Friday to secure a three seed at least, you want that. You don't want a one seed in the Sweet 16. So we'll see how things go. It's always a fun event. Um, I, I will not be in attendance, but it's always a fun event, and it puts a cap to 
Another wild season of Big Ten basketball. I did want, I had a question on Twitter about this, and I planned on talking about it already. Um, Purdue recruiting, you know, there's not much new in the world of recruiting right now, but tracking along with Purdue signees, Braden Smith had as incredible of a sectional performance as you'll ever see. Um, I was there in person Tuesday night as he put up 28 points, 6 rebounds, and 11 assists over the number two team in the state in Fishers. Uh, Fishers has a 6'7 freshman, Jalen Harrelson, with a Purdue offer. He was impressive to see as well, 19 points for him in his first state tournament game. Uh, but Smith stole the show. He then took business, took care of business against Hamilton Southeastern on Friday and then went for 22-5-6 in the sectional championship win over Carmel. Uh, Westfield had lost to Carmel in the sectional championship two years in a row prior to this. Carmel, I believe I saw what? They've won two state championships in a row going back to 2019 and then 2021 when 2020 got canceled. Um, for those not familiar, because I, I, I never know how many of you are from around Indiana or follow along with Indiana high school basketball a lot, this sectional is the toughest one in the state. Um, it's Carmel, it's Westfield with a D1 player, um, Zionsville's always pretty good. Um, it's a very, very good sectional. It's the toughest one in the state. Fishers was excellent this year. He took the thing over. Um, it's so easy to get excited about him because he plays with an energy, a tenacity, and with a little bit of, it's an overused word, but just a swagger to him. Um, some would probably call it arrogance, but he's fun to watch. Uh, he ignites the gym like a, like no player I've really seen in a while. And I follow Indiana high school basketball pretty closely. Him and Westfield will face off with Fletcher Lawyer and Homestead in the Logansport Regional on Saturday afternoon. I cannot wait to watch this game. That is going to be a blast. Um, I was down in Indianapolis at Southport back in December uh, when these two played each other then. Um... Homestead won. Uh, Lawyer had 20-some. Smith had 30 for Westfield, but Homestead won that game. Um, I don't know. I could see this one going either way. Right now, Westfield is playing out of their minds. Uh, Smith has just been so hot. I think the winner will be in a pretty good spot to win Mr. Basketball. Uh, IU commit C.J. Gunn. Lost in the sectional final on Saturday. Um, losing early certainly never helps Mr. Basketball hopes. So uh, Purdue could potentially go back-to-back -back with Mr. Basketball here. And if things go a certain way, Purdue could go back-to-back -back having number one and two. Uh, Caleb first was first with Trey Kaufman-Wren second last year in the Mr. Basketball voting. Uh, so we'll see where that goes, but that's going to be a blast to watch. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to really go deep into how I view them as Purdue players uh, on the show today. Um, I already have talked for long enough and still have Q&A to hammer through here. Um, but these guys are fun to watch, and it's going to be interesting to see when they get to campus this year over the summer to see how they fit into next year's team. We do have an awesome Q&A today. Um, I appreciate you guys sending questions in. As always, Boilers Beyond, send them in on Twitter, and we'll answer them here on the show. You know, it was asked about Jaden Ivey's play on Saturday versus Indiana and how confident I am that he'll uh, perform well in the postseason. You know, the game against Indiana wasn't great. Um, I think at times it's easy for us to overreact a little bit um, because, let's face it, Purdue probably doesn't, they're probably not in position late against Wisconsin without him. But against Indiana, he struggled. Um, two for 11 from the field, 0 of 5 from 2. He was 2 of 6 from 3, had three turnovers. Um, it just wasn't his best day. Uh, only one assist, two rebounds. So the stats really weren't there for Jaden Ivey in this game, which is rare. Indiana clogged the lane on him. Uh, they did an excellent job of not letting him get any type of a look at the basket. They completely sold out on him. Um, at times, he looked for the outside shooters. I think he hit one or two of them. But a lot of times, he tried to go up. That led to turnovers. That led to tough shots that didn't fall. Um, not his best day. Now, I think once you move forward... You get out of the Big Ten, teams are a little less familiar with you. Um, that always helps. You know, I think if Purdue gets into a more fast-paced game in the NCAA tournament, which they really never do in the Big Ten, that's going to help him. He certainly plays better in transition. But, you know, I think ball movement's the key. Um, you know, he could have so many more assists than he does if he gets the ball out to open three-point shooters as he drives. He does a decent job looking for the bigs at times, but if he can really look to kick the ball out more, I think there's there's a lot to like there. Um, but it just didn't go that way on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, as I've said on the show before, I don't know what guards in America you would really rather have with a game on the line than Jade Knifey with the ball in their hands. Um, he he can do a lot of things that not many other guys in the country can. Kind of another question that's related. Who is the most important player for Purdue over the rest of the season? You know, the obvious answer is all of them. I think you can make a case for so many guys. Um... I think the obvious answer is Jaden Ivey. Um, if he's not playing like the lottery pick that he is, I think that really lowers Purdue's ceiling. At the same time, I think there hasn't always been great intensity on the defensive end from him um, that has hurt Purdue at times. So, you know, if that can, if that kind of lights a spark, you know, the NCAA tournament can light a spark there. That's going to help. 
Um, Sasha Stefanovic knocking down threes always helps. Um, there's not many guys better at knocking down threes than him. But I'll go with two here. One's been playing well lately. The other really hasn't. I will go with Eric Hunter Jr. And I will go with Travion Williams. Um, Eric Hunter Jr. has been fantastic here for Purdue in the second half of Big Ten play. Uh, he has been as good as he's been in his career. He's really a guy who's ending his career strong. Um, getting production there at the one is really nice because Jay Nivey is probably going to get his. Um, I would be surprised if he doesn't really. Um, Purdue centers are going to play a massive role, especially Zach Eady of late. Getting some production from him there. Knocking down open threes. He's done a nice job scoring on drives to the basket. Uh, kind of crafty stuff in the half court. So he's been really good. You'd love to keep that. And he's also your best half court defender. Um, so that's always big too. Williams has not been playing well lately. Uh, the turnover problems have really been on clear display. The Wisconsin game was case in point. Um, the plus minuses from that game were astonishing. Uh, Zach Eady, a plus 16. Travion Williams, a minus 19. Um, plus minus can be a flawed stat, but when it's for two guys who exclusively, you know, one's on the floor, the other's not, it tells you a little bit more there. I mean, I think it's tougher with produce guards sometimes when they're a little more interchangeable um, in terms of when they're on the floor. But no, I mean, that's, that's astonishing. You can't have that if you're Purdue, not from your senior, not from your, the guy you've leaned on in the, in big situations the most heading into the time of year where you have a lot of big situations. Uh, he's got to be better for Purdue. Now, He's risen to the occasion quite a bit in his career. I have no reason to think he won't do that again, but Purdue could certainly use to see that. Um, and if those two are playing well, I think you're in pretty good shape going into the NCAA tournament. Another one, what needs to happen in this postseason in order to be content about the outcome? And at what exit point am I not allowed to call for Matt Painter to be fired? Well, um, if you're expecting Matt Painter to be fired, you're a fan of the wrong institution. Um, Purdue is not a school that is going to make rash decisions with coaches. Uh, certainly not one that is as successful as Matt Painter. Um, I mean, goodness. Purdue hasn't fired basketball coaches in a long, long time. Uh, if they ever have, I'm not positive, but... Even in football, um, you know, it takes drastic measures for this school to fire employees. Uh, you saw it with Danny Hope. You saw it with Daryl Hazel. Uh, Matt Painter's not going anywhere. I would be surprised if he was ever fired from Purdue. Uh, so you're, you can hope all you want if the NCAA tournament doesn't go well, but don't get your uh, hopes up too much. In terms of playing in the NCAA tournament, Look, I think playing to your seed line is very difficult to be upset about. Um, 
when you're losing to the team that's seeded better than you. So if Purdue's a three seed and they lose to the two seed in the Sweet 16, I think that's going to be a really brutal pill to swallow for people. Um, a Sweet 16 exit wouldn't leave a good taste in anyone's mouths about this year. But, I mean, that's just from a statistical standpoint, uh, that might be where you end up. Um, you know, you get you get to the Elite Eight, that's no doubt a good year uh, because you're not going to be a one seed. The Elite Eight's impossible to be upset about. Um, you know, you don't want to lose. Obviously, if you lose first weekend, um, goodness gracious, that's going to be a nightmare. Um, Twitter's going to explode. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I really think it's difficult to be upset blaming the coach or whatever, you know, if you play to your seed line and that's where you lose. And then if you get past that, you know, great. Um, I know the expectations are very high. I mean, this is final four bust for most people. I get it, but putting a, putting a lot of stock in the NCAA tournament's a dangerous, dangerous game. Crazy things happen there. And it is probably the most unfair way to evaluate coaches. Look at last year. Look at the NCAA tournament last year. You had two coaches get contract extensions based on what happened. Um, Wayne Tinkle gets a massive extension at Oregon State, and he won three games this year. Um, yeah, uh, that happens. The NCAA tournament's fluky like that. Georgetown got to the tournament, I don't remember if they won their first game or not, but they went on a run in the Big East tournament. Patrick Ewing got a massive extension at Georgetown. Um, I just saw an article before I hopped on the podcast here that, I mean, he's got like five years left on his deal. They're horrible. I mean, did they win a Big East game? No, they went 0-19 in the Big East this year. Um, so... Evaluating coaches based off of March is a dangerous, dangerous game, and I think most athletic directors realize that. Final question here. The all-hustle team in the Big Ten. Um, I am recording this, for what it's worth, before I answer this, I'm recording this Monday night. All Big Ten teams come out tomorrow. If I had a ballot, I would submit first team of Johnny Davis, Jaden Ivey, uh, Keegan Murray, EJ Liddell, and Kofi Coburn. Um, I think those are the guys I'd go with for first team. Uh, I would give Johnny Davis Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, I would vote for Greg Gard as Big Ten Coach of the Year. Um, what else am I missing? Um, not positive, but yeah, very good year in the Big Ten. Um, tons of guys deserving, but the all-hustle team... Uh, let me pull up this tweet so I can see what you had here um, because it's it's a fun fun thing to analyze because the Big Ten is so known for its hustle play. Um, the five that were named in the question were Peyton Willis, Alfonso Plummer, Jordan Geronimo, Mason Gillis, and Stephen Crowell from Wisconsin. I will go with these five. John Hara from Penn State, I think, is the guy who plays the hardest in the Big Ten. 
Mason Gillis and Race Thompson are very much cut out of the same cloth, and they kind of beat the hell out of each other on Saturday. Uh, cover your ears, but Brad Davison, um, he plays hard. There, There is no doubt about that. The guy doesn't end up in the situations he ends up in without playing really hard. And then Caleb McConnell, um, that is a Rutgers team that plays with a ton of attitude. He kind of embodies that. Uh, he's a really good defender. He he plays hard. Um, those are going to be my five. There are certainly other guys in the league who play hard. Um, I would put Trent Frazier around there. Um, I'd put Malik Hall around there. I would put... Um, those are a few guys. Peyton Willis does. Yeah, I mean, all those guys that were listed are guys who play hard, no doubt. Um, that's kind of the five I would go with. And then, as always, a few final thoughts to cap off the podcast. How hilarious was Mike Krzyzewski losing his last game at Duke? Um, That was the most drawn-out, made-for-TV sap story ever. And for a decent but not great UNC team to go in there and win, that was hilarious. 12-0 for Purdue baseball. Heck of a start to the season. I've talked about it on the show. I do love college baseball. Um, we are nowhere near an MLB season this year. So if you're a baseball fan, I hope you like metal bats. Uh, this Purdue team hasn't really played a great schedule. Uh, the only credible opponent is Charlotte, who they beat in the midweek last week. 12-0 is 12-0. They were in a top 25 this week. I, I will add with that that... You know, there are more rankings in baseball than any other sport, but D1Baseball.com is kind of the equivalent of the AP poll in football and basketball. Uh, D1 Baseball is kind of the best one in baseball, so that's what I would go off of looking at rankings, but either way, a very cool start for Purdue Baseball. And then finally, you know, as I mentioned with Georgetown and Oregon State coming out of nowhere last year, getting in the tournament, getting their coaches extended, it's bid stealer season. And who knows what's going to happen here? You know, every year it feels like there's a team or two from a power conference that kind of plays its way in, whether it's, you know, from the far off bubble to in to an AQ situation. Um, it You hate to be a bubble team right now because you're so worried about that. Every year, a mid-major to gets lucky uh, where the four seed in a one-bid league wins the conference, and it costs your best team a ticket to the big dance. Um, it's not fair sometimes. I have, I never will say that conference tournaments are the most fair way to put together a field of 68, but my goodness, is this week a lot of fun. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for spending some time with me. Next week, we'll have a bracket. We will be here taking a look at everything related to Purdue's NCAA tournament matchup and region. You will not want to miss that episode. So be sure, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show, Boilers Beyond, on Twitter. Um, Tons of tweets there, tons of conversation. We'll be talking all week with the Big Ten Tournament, so come hang out, join the conversation. 
Until next time, hey, it's a loaded week of basketball. Enjoy it, and let's see what Purdue can do down in Indianapolis.